Welcome to San Diego First Church of the Nazarene's podcast. My name is Dee Kelly, and I am so delighted to be with you this day, so grateful that you have tuned in. Um, We are located at 3901 Loma Land Drive in the Point Loma area of San Diego, and would be honored for you to come join us for our services or our uh, Bible studies. We have a variety of things that we can offer you on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. We have Sunday school classes that gather. We have a 1030 service. Um, This particular week, the 1030 service is a combined of our two services. We typically have a classic service and a contemporary service, but they are combined today because we are doing um, a special time after the service of lunch in the Friendship Plaza, uh, followed by a presentation, Barb and Star Live, which is an effort to raise some funds uh, through the auctioning of pies for our kids' camp. And we have kids' camps during the summer, both teens and children, mid-high, and we try and provide scholarships for them so that the cost of the camp will be affordable for all. If you're not able to make it, you can certainly give to the church in that regard if that's a particular passion of yours. But that's happening this week, October 17th. Next week, October 24th, we will be back into our two services at 1030. We also have a variety of programming and small groups during the week, including a Wednesday night gathering Bible study, uh, a study that all are welcome to at 6.30 on our grounds in the Bose Conference Room, a wonderful opportunity to dig into Scripture together. So if that's something you might be interested, we certainly encourage you to come join us. This morning, we are stepping back into Hebrews. This is a... uh, multi-week series where we are looking at the book of Hebrews and what it has to offer us in our spiritual journey. This particular day, we are looking at Hebrews chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. And I want to step into this by acknowledging something that many of us experienced, probably most of us in childhood. I don't know if you are continuing to have these experiences now or not in your journey, but being on the playground at a school or at a gymnasium, or in some kind of setting where teams are going to compete. And there are not any preset teams, but there are two captains that are going to select. The selection process just can be grueling, devastating, to those who are maybe not particularly gifted in that particular sport or that particular endeavor. And to be the last one selected, or to not be selected at all, is crushing. I hated it as a kid. Hated it. And so I made a decision at some point in my journey that if I was ever a captain or ever had a voice in the selection process, that I would petition or just declare that we are not selecting teams one by one. We're going to figure out teams and just announce what the teams are. Um, It may have been what led me in my educational pursuit into industrial organizational psychology and the selection process in businesses as a business tries to select the best candidate out of a pool of candidates, how that process works, why it works the way it does, and to examine that selection process in depth. I have the feeling that some of those early childhood experiences where I just despised the way selections were handled 
might have led me into a field to try and resolve some of that in my adult life. I don't know that I've resolved any of that, but I do find here at the very beginning of this passage a selection process that's mentioned. And so it caught my attention immediately when I realized it was the reading for this particular week. I'd like to read it for you right now. Again, it's Hebrews chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. I hope you're following along in a Bible that you have. Beginning with verse 1, Every high priest is selected from among uh, men and is appointed to represent them in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. The priest is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why the priest has to offer sacrifices on behalf of his own sins as well as for the sins of the people. No one takes this honor upon himself. He must be called by God, just as Aaron was. So Christ also did not take upon himself the glory of becoming a high priest. But God said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. And he says in another place, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, what an interesting passage. Um, a name that we don't hear much of, Melchizedek, a way by which talking about this person that may seem foreign to us. One of the things that I think is fascinating about this biblical author, the writer of Hebrews, is the ways in which this writer takes portions of scripture and weaves together an argument about Jesus, a um, exegetical approach, a way by which to look at scripture and interpret it or come to conclusions. In this sense, this biblical writer is very creative. The um, The people of that day were living in a time when the temple had been destroyed and people talked then of the heavenly temple. Not having an earthly temple uh, to talk about, to go to, they began a process of realizing that the temple on earth was a shadow of that which was in heaven. Well, the biblical writer of Hebrews actually takes this a step further and talks about the priesthood of Melchizedek as a way to talk about Jesus as the great high priest. And the reason this is at least in some ways fascinating is that there is so little that we know about Melchizedek. We'll look in a few moments at Genesis 14 where we hear this character introduced and then in Psalm 110 where it is referenced by the writer of that psalm. But there is more information spoken about Melchizedek in Hebrews 5 and Hebrews 7 than there is in all of the rest of Scripture. 
And this is a reference to an Old Testament story. So it's fascinating how the writer takes this and builds a view, an argument about who Jesus is and what Jesus does on our behalf. I do want to acknowledge that sometimes a language becomes a stumbling block for us. Sometimes it's a language that's a problem because of translation. But there's also sometimes a language that's a problem because of experience. For those of you who have paid attention to the news in the last couple of weeks, uh, we have heard of a commission that took place in France and came out with a report that spoke of horrific acts that the priesthood in France had done over the course of the last century, including recent times as well, um, in a massive, what would appear to be cover-up, and the desire of the commission to take, um, to recognize what's taken place, and that somehow work would be done to correct the terrible things that had happened, and to recognize the victimization of uh, children in the process. It is, in some ways, a mirror of what has happened in many other countries, including our own, over the course of the last 20 years, where those things done secretly or suppressed have been brought out into the open. And it's painful and it's hard, but healing never takes place until confession becomes part of the journey. And so the notion of the priesthood can carry for some a horrific image based on terrible things that have been done. In the same fashion, whenever we talk as um, God as Father, there are some who their journey with their own earthly father has not been good. And as a result, it's difficult to hear that language and to allow it to become meaningful language because of experiences that have been so painful. Well, I hope, I pray that as we confess and recognize the ways in which we have um, not done as we should, where our actions as humans have caused hurt and harm and destruction to others, that somehow in the process in seeking healing and reconciliation, we can also bring back a redemption of the language we use so that the term father might somehow be redeemed by the one who knows us best and loves us most and treats us with grace, mercy, and kindness. And so here we come into a passage where we talk about the priesthood. And may we, as we begin to understand our great high priest and the love and mercy and grace and kindness of this great high priest, begin to restore for us an understanding of who we are, and who Christ is to us. So just that word about redeeming the language that we have and recognizing that it can be difficult for some to hear language that is laden with a lot of baggage. Well, this passage in Hebrews chapter 5 references us back to Genesis chapter 14 and the introduction of a person by the name of Melchizedek. This is an interesting story that talks about the wars between a variety of kings. 
almost a dozen names of kings are mentioned. And there are some who have been under the um, oppression of the king of Elam, Keter Lamor, um, for a dozen years. And the oppression became so hard that some kings rose up together to defeat him. And there was a huge battle, and they lost. Well, then there was, as a result of this, a, another defeat that took away Abram's nephew Lot and all of his household into captivity. So Abram decides to take all of his household and go to war, go to battle against this one who has been so oppressive. And he routs them, destroys them. And at the end of this battle, we are introduced to King Melchizedek. This king, along with the king of Sodom, comes out and brings wine and bread, King Melchizedek does, and King Melchizedek blesses Abraham. And Abraham provides a tenth of all of the plunder to Melchizedek. It's a fascinating passage, but it's the end of what we hear about Melchizedek. We hear one other entry in Psalm, Psalm 110, a Psalm of David, and it is speaking about one who is to come that will be a priest in the order of Melchizedek. It's an interesting phrase. Not even exactly sure what that might mean, but the writer of Hebrews believes that this is understandable to us if we will just listen to what it says and to what Jesus has done. First thing I want to take note of, though, is that this is a king who is declared as a priest. A priest in the order of Melchizedek is what the Bible says. It is the declaration of God that this king is also a priest because this king comes and blesses Abraham, offers a prayer over him, shows up and brings bread and wine to Abram and to the household. It's a fascinating presentation, but I also find it interesting that this king of Salem, probably it is Jerusalem, is declared a priest. It occurs to me how we might be thrown off if one of our politicians, the king of our city or the mayor of our city, was declared as a priest by God. Fascinating that this would be a combination of two very different functions and yet an acknowledgement that this vocation of king is also a priest because this king blesses, shows up and on behalf of another pronounces a blessing. Well, what was the role of the priesthood? 
The role of the priesthood was to present sacrifices on behalf of the people so that their sinfulness may not be held against them. It's not the only thing that they did, but it was a very significant part. And this sacrificial system pervaded all of Jewish thinking. All of scripture has in it woven this understanding of sacrifices on behalf of the sins of the people. Even before the sacrificial system was in place, we have images that help us to understand how it is woven into the fabric of this group of people. The creation stories followed by um, the story of Cain and Abel, each of whom brought a sacrifice to God. One sacrifice was accepted, one was not. Those who were familiar with the sacrificial system, even though it hadn't been instituted at, at that time in terms of the Garden of Eden and the years that followed, didn't come much later until the giving of the law to Moses. But here we have um, an understanding or a depiction of a Minka sacrifice and a Mibakorath sacrifice depicted in the story of Cain and Abel. One was accepted, one was not. It's woven throughout the sacred scriptures, this understanding of the sacrificial system. Well, Melchizedek functions as a priest on behalf of the people, on behalf of Abraham. And thus we have in Hebrews a picking up of this imagery of the priesthood and applying it to Jesus and saying, Jesus is the one who has come in the order of Melchizedek. What does that mean? Well, the priesthood was supposed to come through the Levitical line, the Levi tribe. Levites were the ones from whom priests were selected. But Melchizedek has no background in the Levite tribe because Levi had not even been born yet. Jesus comes from the tribe of Judah. And so Jesus is not of the Levite tribe either. So the writer of Hebrews is establishing an argument for the priesthood of Jesus in the order of Melchizedek, a lineage that we don't know, a history of Melchizedek that has not been recorded, and yet Jesus declares this one as a priest. Likewise, Jesus comes to us out of the tribe of Judah not of the right tribe to be called a priest, but this is one who comes in the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek, the name itself means king of righteousness. King of Salem means king of peace. This is the high priest of the God most high, the one of righteousness, the one of peace the one who presents a meal of bread and wine and blesses. Wow, does this sound familiar? Well, I guess so. <laughs> this is how we have Jesus described in the Gospels. I said before that Hebrews is not one of the four Gospels, but in some ways it is this biography, this story of Jesus from beginning to end, from creation till the end of time. And here it makes us wonder, was Jesus the one who appeared to Abraham? 
Here we have the writer of Hebrews making a strong case that this one Jesus has come and has become for us the great high priest. We also learn about this Jesus by descriptions of the writer that take portions of Jesus' life and acknowledge that Jesus prayed with agony, with tears, experienced suffering just like we do. It doesn't explain why there is suffering. It just says that there is and that Jesus experienced it. It also says that Jesus learned obedience just like we learn obedience. Our English word obedience comes from a Latin word that means to listen well. How appropriate to say that Jesus learned to listen well, both to the Father, so that he could say, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. For I don't declare anything apart from what the Father has declared. Likewise, Jesus learned to listen well to others. Now we are called to be priests. One of the great contributions of the charismatic tradition is the emphasis on the priesthood of all believers. We are all called to be ministers, ministers of the God Most High, following in the footsteps of Jesus. We have been selected to live a life of mercy and grace, a life of peace toward others. And what's the characteristic? The characteristic is of a Melchizedek who just shows up. Not asked for, not required. But at a time of need, Melchizedek just shows up and blesses. And so often we find the storyline of Jesus who just shows up. At the woman in the well, the, the Jairus' daughter, uh, Peter's mother, the list goes on and on and on throughout Jesus' life. Jesus shows up and in showing up, blesses. And in that blessing, brings healing and hope. So, you've been selected. N not in the sense of, yeah, everyone gets a trophy. No, you've been selected for a reason because of the unique things you bring to the kingdom because of who you are and the people you know and the opportunity you have to just show up and in showing up, be a blessing. To listen well through your own obedience, through your own suffering, to be able to connect with others in a way that brings about God's grace, God's mercy, God's peace. To follow in the order of Melchizedek, to follow in the footsteps of Jesus to be a royal priesthood, offering ourselves on behalf of others. Father, will you call us to this place of obedience? Call us to loving you. Call us to loving others. May we be yours in every way. May this word come alive to us as we follow in your footsteps. Thank you, Lord. Amen. May God's grace be in you and work through you. May God's peace be with you. Have a blessed week.